Welcome to the FitFig podcast. I'm your host, Steph Figarelli, co-owner of Figarelli's Fitness LLC in Anchorage, Alaska. This is episode 100. Today we're talking about NEAT, which is non-exercise activity thermogenesis. This is any activity that does not include sleep, eating, or formal organized workouts. Movement. That's what we're talking about. NEAT includes walking your dog, cleaning the house, taking the stairs instead of the elevator, chewing gum, gardening, shoveling snow, typing, yard work, playing with your kids, using a standing desk at work, and fidgeting, among other things. How does it impact fat loss? This is really important, and for years, I pretty much discounted NEAT altogether. You often hear people say, park further away from the front door and walk for the grocery store or anywhere else. I always thought it was bullshit because why not just work harder in the gym? That's where you're going to expend the most calories, right? I was totally wrong. I dug into NEAT over the last several weeks pretty deeply And I discovered that the impact it has on fat loss and body weight maintenance is significant. So if your primary goal is fat loss, first and and foremost, make sure you have your calories set in a deficit where you're consistently burning more than you consume. So nothing matters more than your nutrition where fat loss is concerned. Aside from a calorie deficit, increase your NEAT. This will require you to make a conscious effort to move more throughout your day. If you're sedentary, if you're constantly sitting on the couch, you sit at a desk all day, you actively avoid doing uncomfortable things, this might be a bit of a wake-up call. It was for me. Common sense always told me, (laughs) move more, good idea. But I wasn't aware of the impact. And um, it's kind of cool. It's, it's a good thing. Moving more is a good thing. What? So in the grand scheme of things, NEAT could be a critical com- component in how we maintain our body weight and or develop obesity or lose weight. A low level of NEAT is associated with obesity and it makes body weight maintenance after a fat loss phase difficult. So... The best thing you can do is keep moving. I'm not sure what episode it is, but on the podcast, I did an interview with one of our clients, Pam Butcher. For those of you who have worked with me for a long time, you know Pam. She went through a fat loss phase several years ago where she lost approximately 35 pounds. And nearing the end of that fat loss phase, as she transitioned into maintenance, And she was probably in maintenance for a few months. She retired. Her fat loss phase was successful. She followed the plan to a T. She did macro tracking. So I taught her how to understand protein, carbs, fat, total energy, intake and expenditure. We kept exercise at a manageable level. So she wasn't doing anything crazy, crushing herself in the gym, Nothing like that. Strength training and cardio when she could get it in. Things like walking more, riding her bike. 
And at the same time, she noticed as she transitioned from retirement, where she was moving around a lot during her day, getting up from her desk, moving things, lifting, interacting with other people, she noticed that body weight maintenance became more difficult than she had ever noticed before because now she was home post-retirement moving less and she realized the impact of NEAT. And I remember having conversations with her several years ago about how it was more difficult to keep her body weight stable at about 135 pounds, which is where we had ended her during her fat loss phase. And she had to be extra careful with her nutrition and more mindful of energy consumption. Otherwise, she noticed the scale would go back up. So sometimes we actually had to reduce her caloric intake, depending on what was going on, her level of activity, the season. People are often more active, at least in Alaska, more active in the summer months than they are in the winter months. And it was an interesting process of adjusting according to that and how it became apparent how important her daily movement had become to managing her weight. So this is just a side note. If you search in the episodes, Pam Butcher, we talk about macro tracking. We talk about how constraints, putting kind of having parameters around your nutrition can actually inspire more creativity and you actually have more fun with your nutrition. So if you're interested in that episode, look back through the other episodes because off the top of my head, I cannot recall what number it is. It's a great interview. I highly recommend it, especially because conversations like that are a light at the end of the tunnel. If you've been working in you know, working on fat loss for a while, you've been in a deficit for a while, you're not sure when this is ever going to end. Episodes like that provide reassurance and inspiration to keep going. Highly recommend it. Go check it out. So how can we increase NEAT? I took time to think about this, to come up with ideas for myself. I can be sedentary throughout my day. I have a split shift that I work five days a week. I have two full days off from training clients. One day of the off days is devoted to administrative work, running errands, preparing for the week ahead. So I'm active when I'm working with clients five days a week, but I often work a split shift. So for example, I work a few hours in the morning. Sometimes I'll have a few hours off in the middle of the day. And then I'm back to working with clients where I'm on my feet, moving around the gym, getting equipment, putting it away, talking, interacting uh, later in the day or evening. So my days are, are much, uh, they're kind of mixed. And so I had to really think about all the ways to get creative with more neat. So I got a few for you. If you're a note taker, grab pen, grab a paper, a notebook. Number one, park farther away from the front door of the grocery store or wherever you're driving to. Home Depot, uh, your therapist's office, school, wherever. Park as far away as you possibly can. If you're going to the grocery store, always return your shopping cart, by the way. This will give you a little, a few extra steps to add to the whole thing. But it's also just the courteous thing to do. Don't leave your shopping cart out. Number two, 
set a goal of doing at least three household chores every day. Laundry. Don't forget to fold it. Clean the bathroom. Hand wash your dishes, dry them, and put them away. Clean and organize your garage for 10 minutes. Detail your car. If you live in a warm climate, maybe you could even wash the exterior of your car. I much prefer that, by the way. In the summer months, I will only hand wash and detail my truck and my Jeep. I will never take it anywhere. But in the wintertime, it gets harder. I could pull it into my warm garage, but it's just not quite as fun. And the light isn't as good. Just Just an idea for you there. Clean car is always a good idea, by the way. Vacuum your entire house. Mop the floors, sweep the floors, dust something, and just organize. Like, I have a bookshelf that's quite a disaster, and spending time organizing and moving and even pulling books and donating them, that's going to expend energy. So anything that you can think of where you're moving around, this is the idea here. Number three, set aside five minutes to stretch and foam roll in the morning and another five minutes to stretch and foam roll before bed. This will not only relax you, it'll help you release tight muscles, which is especially important before bed, and it'll allow you to incorporate a few extra minutes of movement every day. So NEAT isn't just steps, it's movement. Fidgeting is a form of NEAT. This is like twitching your leg and talking with your hands and shifting around, move, just any movement. So think movement, not necessarily steps, although steps are a part of NEAT. Number four, stand up and pace around between sets of exercises in the gym. The caveat to this is if the gym is busy and you walk away from your bench and your dumbbells, you might lose them. I get it. At the very least, though, stand up. Don't sit on the bench. Don't grab your phone and stare at it for one to two minutes between sets. Stand up and just kind of pace around the area so you don't go too far from your equipment and ultimately lose it. But don't just sit there and stare at your phone. I'm actually stating this for myself as a reminder because I have the worst habit of getting on my phone in between sets. And a lot of times I'm working when I do it, but I've noticed during sessions where I don't stare at my phone during rest periods, I have a better workout because I feel more connected and focused to what I'm doing. And I'll often find other things to go and do because I'll be pacing around. Like I'll go on my, find my calf stretcher and I'll spend like two minutes stretching both calves, which is helpful for a lot of reasons. Like always stretch your calves every day, by the way, this is a rant for another day, but the calf stretcher is great. You could roll the bottoms of your feet, typically long static stretching before Before strength work is discouraged because it can actually make you weaker while you're lifting weights. So it's often more, it's reserved for post-workout. So I'm not saying go do yoga in between sets, but you can do moderate mobility work. Like I'll actually throw in filler exercises that will not interfere with the muscle groups that I'm training. For example, I'll do some external rotation on the cable for my shoulders. I have an old shoulder injury that has plagued me for something like 25 years due to neglect. And any chance I can get to help strengthen that rotator cuff muscle is 
going to be helpful. And so I'll do that. I'll go over to my cable machine. I'll just pop out a couple of sets of that or a set of each side uh, of 12 reps, something, stretch my calves, roll my feet. I'll even stretch my lats a little bit, uh, depending on what I'm working. Uh, this also helps with shoulder mobility. So if you have shoulder pain, stretch your lats, foam roll your lats, do some work on your lats because it's going to help decrease pain and stiffness through the shoulders. So at the very least in between sets, stand up, walk around if you can, if you can't, it's totally fine. Don't lose your stuff. Um, but do something to where you're moving. You're not just sedentary and like a statue. Number five, set an alarm to remind you to stand up at your desk and walk around every 15 to 20 minutes. Standing expends more calories than sitting. So if you can replace your desk with a standing desk, so if you sit a lot throughout the day, see if you can get a standing desk. Most places of work are accommodating this when people ask for them. If you don't ask, the answer is always no. Standing is not as comfortable because it's harder and it requires more energy expenditure. I can't personally always focus very well when I'm standing up doing my work. Um, sometimes I'll actually stretch while I'm on my laptop if I'm answering emails or if I'm writing something. I'll just get down on the floor and I'll hold a stretch. Uh, I'll prop my laptop up. So I don't, I don't know that that's necessarily any better than standing, although in some ways it probably is. Uh, but standing is going to expend more energy. So standing is a form of neat. Do it as often as you can, but it's helpful to set a quiet alarm, something that'll just nudge you to get up every 15 to 20 minutes. Whatever's realistic, obviously, depends on your line of work. Number six, take the stairs instead of the escalator or the elevator everywhere you go. This goes for work, the airport, the mall. I don't know if people go to malls anymore. Uh, I've gone to the mall, I don't know, twice in the last year. I don't know how, not very often. And I always take the escalator because they hide the stairs. This is something I'm finding. The stairs are there. You just have to go seek them out, out on the opposite end of the mall, which is fine. But if it's not right in front of you, sometimes you don't notice. But if you have to run an errand at the mall, depending on the mall, go find the stairs. Don't take the escalator. If you can, don't take the elevator. Look for ways to move your legs. The, the airport is an interesting place because we are often tired, sleep deprived. We're lugging uncomfortable shit like a carry-on bag, a backpack. But my challenge to you is every time you travel, make it a rule to walk around the airport as much as you can and go get water, go to the bathroom, go look at the stores, go whatever, but keep moving, even just pace down and back. Leela and I did a, did something differently the other, I don't know, a couple weeks ago when we were traveling and the Seattle airport is a, is our most common jumping point to states and other countries when we travel. So we are in SeaTac often. And what we decided to do, instead of taking the train inside the airport to get to, I think it was like D gates. She has that memorized very well, C, D, N gates, all that. I don't have it memorized quite as well. So she, she asked me if I wanted to, instead of taking the train, should we just Let's just take, get off the train at Seagates. I think we flew into N-Gates. If you don't know what I'm talking about, don't worry about it. But 
this is just an example of increasing NEAT because we knew we had a long sedentary day ahead of us and we wanted to try to move as much as we could. And in that day, I actually ended up getting almost 10,000 steps just from moving around the airport. I think we had about 90 minutes of a layover. And we got off at the sea gates to add more distance to get to the next gate rather than staying on that little train thing where everyone just awkwardly stares at one another. We decided to get off early, take the stairs and continue walking further. So anyway, that, that was a good, good idea on her part. The bonus there is when you get off the train at Seagates, there's a cluster fuck right there of people who are just bombarding you and bombarding the escalator because that's all they see. Well, I decided to look around because this is what you have to do in life to seek opportunity. You have to look around and I found the stairs. I took the stairs. It was just, I was the only one. Everyone else clustered on the escalator. It's just a big clump of human beings. And I deviated from the pack. I took the stairs. And it was way better. And so from now on, when I get off on that little cluster right there of that little train, if I ever have to go that direction again, which obviously I will because that's how I travel through that airport, um, there's a, there's a staircase. So always look for the stairs. I have found, though, in some uh, hotels, they make taking the stairs difficult. They have I've gotten locked into floors because all the doors are locked for whatever reason. I mean, these are this is your alternative in in case of an emergency. And so why locking these floors happens, I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. It seems like a safety violation because you're trapped inside the stairwell. So hotels need to step it up. Um, it's weird. But anyway, I'm very passionate about taking the stairs. <laughs> All right, number seven. Instead of relying on Instacart, which whew, I get it. I get the convenience. I understand time saving. Are you Elon Musk? Do you need to save the world? Are you inventing new forms of planetary travel to Mars? Probably not. It's not going to be detrimental to your productivity to get up, get into your car, drive to a grocery store, get out of your car, get a cart and fill it with groceries yourself and carry them home and all the things. I don't really see any real need for Instacart unless you have a physical disability limitation. Possibly pregnancy would be a reason, but moving a lot is important during pregnancy we're no longer in a pandemic. Um, this has now just become one more luxury and convenience that we are exploiting because we are lazy. I'm not criticizing anybody for wanting to save time and be productive. I understand busyness. I understand all that shit. But if you have body fat to lose and you're really driven to reach that goal, you're prolonging it when you come up with reasons to not go and move. So stop doing Instacart. Go grocery shopping. Stop relying on DoorDash. Get up and go get your own food. This is like... We're not evolving anymore. We're devolving. Stop relying on delivery services. Number eight. Have more sex with someone you love. Intimacy 
Sexual intimacy nurtures your romantic relationships more than a lot of things. It's not everything, but it's important. And it's good for your physical and your mental health. And theirs is your partner's as well. So you're moving. It's not formal exercise. You're expending energy. You're bonding. You are... When you bond with your partner, when you're touching, when you're physically touching, even just giving somebody a hug is so important for increasing trust and overall just nurturing that relationship. All right, number nine, get rid of all subscriptions that keep you sedentary and replace them with active hobbies that require you to move your body and use your brain. Think Netflix, any kind of streaming service, movies, cable. I don't even know, is cable still a thing? I don't know, I don't have cable. Um, I don't have Netflix. Uh, I don't have these things because I don't enjoy them personally. I understand they are a form of entertainment. No judgment. I'm simply trying to help you see what's keeping you sedentary and how if you replace that with something like a walk or you go for a walk and then you go watch Netflix, whatever, like, or pair it, you know, have a negotiate with yourself. So you're, you get to relax and enjoy something. I totally get it. But see where you can replace sedentary activities or subscriptions with something more active. So you're getting up and you're increasing NEAT. This goes for magazine subscriptions too. I don't know if people still read magazines. I haven't had a magazine subscription for probably like 20, probably over 20 years. I don't even buy magazines anymore because they cost the same as a book. It's ridiculous. And they're mostly filled with ads. Just a side tangent. If you have a subscription, especially if you notice you're not really using it, get rid of it so then you can save that money. You don't you don't have to spend the money on it anymore. If you sit all day, let's say you have an eight-hour work day and your commute is 30, 30 minutes round trip or an hour round trip, trip, and then you come home and watch Netflix for two hours, that's a big chunk of your day that you're not moving. So think about that. It's just something to consider. I'm not judging you if you want net want to watch Netflix. But think about it. How can you how can you sit less? All right, number 10, write letters or send cards to people instead of emailing and texting them. I'm not talking about work. I'm not talking about quick business transactions. I'm talking about connections with people. So if you have a close friend or family member and you're like texting and emailing each other, call them, FaceTime them. That's cool. But consider writing a letter, like a handwritten letter or a card. I mean, this simple gesture gets you up and moving in several ways. Here's how you can increase NEAT. You have to find a card or a piece of paper, an envelope, and then a stamp. You have to think, use a pen to write words, which requires a heavier demand on your brain. And you're kind of solidifying this connection with the person that you are corresponding with. Because who doesn't love receiving physical mail instead of another email? We all do. It's an investment in your relationships with the people you say you care about. So consider that. A little extra calorie expenditure and an increased connection with the people you love. Number 11, take your dog for a walk. A lot of people complain about their dog destroying their house or tearing something up or getting in the trash or jumping on the counter or going to the bathroom in the house. 
This is a sign of a dog that's got anxiety or some sort of neurotic tendency. And the solution for them to manage their discomfort is to destroy. Take your dog for a walk. But it benefits you. It benefits the dog. My dog has to wear booties in the winter. He has to wear a little jacket. He hates both. I don't care. We're getting up and we're moving. My dog has a ton of energy. He's a dominant breed. He's a dominant personality. Bad things happen when he doesn't expend energy. Thankfully, he is not a trash digger. He does not. He's never jumped on a counter. He's destroyed a couple baggies and paper towels here and there that he just finds. He shreds them. And um, that's about it. But I have exercised him, vigorously exercised him since the day we adopted him almost six years ago. Exercise is a massive part of his life. And when he doesn't get exercised, he comes looking for one of us to seek out an understanding as to why. (laughs) And he's a herder. He's not a herding breed, but somehow in his little brain... He must have gotten mixed up with some sort of a, a shepherd type breed because he thinks he he is one of these like sheep herding dogs and he'll herd you wherever he wants you to go by coming behind you or coming to the front of you, positioning himself to the front to block you. So he'll start to move you around where he wants you to go. And if he hasn't gotten a walk, the day's going going on and he hasn't gotten a walk, he will let you know. So I get it. It's cold outside in the wintertime, especially here in Alaska. It's a pain in the ass to get outside for everyone. Dress accordingly, dress your dog accordingly, but don't make that an excuse for not going outside because it's not fair to the dog. It's not fair to you. Everybody will be happier. Everything will be better. If you have a certain type of dog breed that just doesn't seem to need extra exercise, that's totally cool. But if they will walk, get out with them. Or here's another cool idea. Borrow a friend's dog. Go walk their dog. Maybe an elderly friend who can't get out in the wintertime. Give them a hand. Your friend's on vacation. House it. Whatever. Take a dog for a walk. It really does help get you up and get you excited. Excited, eh, inspired, motivated to move your ass a little bit more. All right. So all that to say there will be obstacles in your path. On the path of neat. I'm going to go over a few of them. These are things I've experienced. If you have things that you notice, what keeps you from moving more, make a note of it. When you have it laid out in front of you, when you have solutions laid out in front of you, uh, solutions to problems, you are more apt to take action and work around them. So you don't have excuses anymore because you know what's going to prevent you from moving. This is a really easy process. I've been coaching for a long time, 20 years. And my job has always been to find solutions to problems. And I can be really good at that. But I can only take a client so far. If they don't want to take any of the solutions and incorporate them into their own life for any reason, then it really doesn't matter what I know. I want to share these ideas with you because maybe you don't even realize it. We all have blind spots. So the first interference with NEAT, getting more energy expenditure throughout the day, getting injured 
or being in pain. Obviously, if you're not feeling well, you're not going to want to move as much. Unconsciously, you'll become more sedentary to avoid triggering any pain. This makes sense. If you're in pain, you don't want to get up and feel the pain amplified because you're moving around. A couple ways to work on that. Some gentle stretching and mobility work can't hurt. Obviously, if you have a torn ACL, foam rolling your quad isn't going to fix that pain. In which case, you should probably schedule a surgery. Prioritize recovery, though. Make sure that you're getting adequate sleep. You are spending time on your mobility work. You're managing your stress. Schedule a massage twice a month. Deep tissue massage, ART, if you're into acupuncture. Uh, if you're into, you know, what what's... Uh, What's that thing where they stick the needles in and Leela does it for her knee pain and right now I can't think of it. It'll come to me later though, I'm sure. But the idea is if you're in pain, you're actively trying to get out of pain. You may need to work with a physical therapist. I highly recommend this. If you just can't seem to figure out the pain, work with a reputable reputable physical therapist who can answer questions and help you solve your problems so you're not in pain. And that pain and injury are no longer an excuse for you to not move more. The next one is getting sick, catching a cold or the flu, or whatever else is out there, stomach bugs. There are a lot of ways to prevent illness. If you have kids, I don't know what they are. Parents seem to catch the funkiest of funks. I don't know why or how. There's probably no solution. However... For the most part, it's worth trying to prevent getting ill. I personally, when I get sick, I try to keep moving as much as I can. I am not the person who gets sick and sleeps for 12 hours every day for a week. I have never experienced that. I've heard of it. People seem to have that. Uh, People I've heard of sleeping very long periods of time. I don't ever have that. When I'm sick, I either don't sleep very well or I sleep like normal, which is fine. But I have to get up and move. Unless I have a fever, I don't put myself near others if I'm sick. But I have to keep moving. So walking, working out, whatever. I try to keep my routine the same as long as it's not depleting me. And I know how to listen to my body well enough by now to prevent going over, you know, like damaging myself further. But if you can keep moving and you're not going to expose anyone else to some sort of illness that will ruin their lives try to keep yourself active um i do ask my clients cancel sessions if they're feeling sick because they're exposing me potentially to illness and i don't want to get sick if i can't if i get sick i can't work and if i can't work you know it's no fun for me the the best remedy here is to prevent getting sick altogether so take practical measures to protect your immune system don't treat your body like a dumpster The gut and the immune system are closely linked, so take extra, extra good care of your gut microbiome by avoiding foods that inflame your stomach lining. A long time ago, I took a course, and the guy teaching the course was super passionate about illness and injury and healthcare, and he had this interesting theory that seems to be true where we catch the most cold and flu during the winter months for a lot of reasons like 
you know, less vitamin D if we're up in the north. Uh, we don't have as much sunlight. Vitamin D is a natural immune boosting hormone. And, but the other part of it that I hadn't thought about is that gut microbiome being compromised with a bunch of extra food that is possibly irritating the gut lining and compromising our immune system. So our gut is like our second brain and a large part of our immune system is there. So if we're consuming more alcohol than usual, if we're smoking, this includes weed, we're damaging a respiratory system, we're irritating, ir irritating the stomach lining. So stop all that if you can. Like if it's possible for you to quit smoking, vaping, taking bong hits, drinking to excess, you're going to feel better and you're likely going to not experience as much sickness, cold, flu, whatever. Get adequate sleep every night. Guard your sleep. I've ranted enough about this in the past, so I'm going to spare you now. Guard your sleep. Get your dogs out. Get the room as dark as you can. Block noise. Keep the temperature cool. Dress appropriately. Kick your partner out. Oh, I'm kidding. Maybe. Um, but your sleep is the only opportunity to recover. So if you're not getting enough, whatever that is for you, I only really need like seven and a half, eight hours of sleep. Eight hours is, is usually perfect. Anything more than that, I, I don't always feel better. Uh, seems on average I'm good at like seven, seven and a half. Uh, sometimes I get less than that and I can function, but I don't love it. And I know that I am one step closer to compromising my immune system and possibly exposing myself to illness. So anytime your sleep is disrupted, especially repeatedly, and then you add even more stress on top of that in the form of something like travel or new people, like exposure to new people, new germs, new cities, uh, you are increasing your risk of getting sick. So just be mindful of that and take precaution as needed if you like to take vitamins, vitamin C, D, zinc, drink water, get sunlight. This is super important. Obviously, wash your hands. Keep your nails clean. That's a big one. People don't really realize the bacteria and disgusting things under your fingernails. Uh, keep your nails trimmed. I don't know. I once had a conversation with a client during a boot camp workout, and I was probably being a bit of an asshole. And at the time, I didn't, I, I didn't mean to be an asshole. It was just my style of training. And I didn't offend the person, not that I know of. But looking back, it was a little cringy. And the person uh, who I was having a conversation with had a big fat loss goal. He had wanted to lose something like, well, I want to say 50 or 60 pounds, so a pretty significant loss. And we were talking about nutrition and I had asked, we, had, we started talking about acai bowls. If you're unfamiliar with that, uh, Google it. It's like a fruit smoothie bowl with tons of shit in it. Probably close to 1200 calories, depending on what you get, because it's like peanut butter, bananas, granola, acai, honey, it's amazing, but it's high calorie. And I'd asked him as we're talking in this conversation, I said, Hey, well, why are you, why are you eating that? You know, during a fat loss phase, you're very mindful of calories. A lot of times people think, well, I'm eating healthy, so I'm going to lose weight. It's like, well, if you're consuming thousands of calories more than you need to be, you're not going to lose body fat because it's calories in versus calories out. Quality of food is negligible. Um, if you don't believe me on that, watch some Lane Norton videos on YouTube. Uh, it's calories in versus calories out. So we're talking and he said, well, I was eating it to boost my immune system. 
And I laughed. And, and this is like where it got kind of cringy. And I was probably being an asshole. But I said, look, why don't you wash your hands? Not, and I was not assuming he didn't wash his hands. But I was simply implying that better hygiene would be a better way to boost your immunity than eating a fucking acai bowl with 1200 calories of shit in it. Wash your hands, clip your nails, be mindful of touching your mouth. You're touching things all day long and then you touch your mouth and then your nose, your eyes, and then all these germs get inside of your body and then you're sick. So you can't eat a food to prevent an illness. (laughs) Hygiene is one of the best things you can do. We all know this. We had to learn about it, what, two, three years ago? In my 30s, I learned washing your hands prevents illness. I'm kidding, but it's the little things, you know? Uh, sun exposure is huge. Vitamin D absorption is important, preferably from the sun. I don't love supplementing supplementing with it, but, I, you know, in Alaska right now, end of December, we're getting four hours of daylight. I don't know, something very minimal, and we're in the dark a lot. So vitamin D supplementation is important for us in Alaska or, you know, northern climates, where we're not seeing the sun quite as often. But if you live in a sunnier climate, try to get out 20, 30 minutes every day. Try to avoid wearing sunglasses. Wear clothes that expose your skin, not to where you're burning. Early morning sunshine is optimal. It's not super hot later in the day. Your chances of burning are less. Obviously, take precaution. Do not burn your skin. I'm not recommending that, but don't hide from the sun. You need it. It's extremely important. Book a trip to Hawaii ASAP. Um, the next obstacle to NEAT is a sedentary job. So if you have a sedentary job where you're sitting a lot throughout the day, find ways to stop being sedentary or quit. I say that jokingly, but the truth is a sedentary job is like a slow death. And that's a little dramatic, but it's true your body begins to conform to the position that you're in most of the time. And so if you are sitting in a chair for eight hours all day with very minimal standing or moving around, your body is going to start to resemble that chair. You're going to lose your ability to squat properly, which is going to predispose you to lower back pain and injuries, hip pain, knee pain, ankle pain, all the pain. It's going to go everywhere. I'm not trying to scare you, but sedentary job is one of the worst things that's ever happened to us. I understand it's necessary. We all need to make money, but find ways to get creative, to stand up, stretch, move, walk, because you are going to conform to that, not only physically, but metabolically. You're going to have a slower metabolic rate because you're not expending calories. Your body already can predict you're not going to move a lot throughout the day. So why expend calories? You could give it a little shock by getting up and moving more, gesturing, talking with your hands, letting out a primal yell midway through the day. Just kidding. The idea, though, is get up, move. Your your level of NEAT will naturally be low unless you take measures to increase it during the day. This is going to take conscious effort on your part. And it's going to be tough at first. You're going to get a lot of physical like resistance. You're not going to want to do it because you're not used to it. So you have to pay close attention to your behavior and you have to plan ahead. So use your brain. This is really important because I know we're all on autopilot and we don't really think. We don't want to plan. We don't want to do extra work. We don't want to set goals. But you have to, if you want something to change, you have to take, you have to be an active participant in that change. All right. Next one. The next obstacle to need is you're just fucking lazy. 
yo, I'm, I'm probably lazier than everyone I know put together, but I'm conscious of it and I counter it with activity throughout the day. I have my eye on 10,000 steps a day. Sometimes I make it, sometimes I don't, but I'm conscious. Human beings were hardwired for laziness. Our brain wants us to conserve energy. We will always take the path of least resistance because it's less taxing on our brain. The brain wants to conserve energy. It doesn't want to use it. This is a survival instinct. It's hard to override it, but you, you can override it with conscious awareness and planning. You have to get up and move regularly. If you sit at a desk all day long and then come home, watch Netflix for two hours, you are missing out on the opportunity to expend energy in a productive way. And this is working against you where fat loss is concerned. Or if you've gone through fat loss and you're in a body weight maintenance stage, maintenance is going to be hard. Go listen to that episode that I referred to earlier with Pam Butcher talking about maintenance, neat, moving. It is worth it to start changing your habits that are keeping you sedentary and that are making fat loss difficult. It is worth it. Always worth it. It's going to be hard, but it's worth it. So here are a couple of things I do. Set a daily step goal. I mentioned that already. Watch, uh, wear a Garmin, watch a Fitbit, whatever you, Apple watches, whatever. Watch it on your, if you don't want to buy a watch, use your phone. Everybody has a smartphone. If you don't have a smartphone, I envy you. But if you, most of us have one. So it tracks in that little heart health app thing. It tracks your steps. Pay attention to that. Gamify it. Make it fun. Try to beat your previous day. Get up even just 500 more steps every day. Compounds over time. Just maintain that awareness. Set a goal. Keep track. Pay attention. The last obstacle to neat is high stress. If you are high stress, ask yourself why. Often people will argue work is stressful and they need to work because they need to make money. I get it. I'll save this rant for another podcast episode. I like money. You probably really like money too. But if your work is interfering with your health, really all you're going to have to look forward to in your future is when you're going to try to have to buy back your health, which is impossible. Uh, it's usually pills, surgeries, whatever. Find ways to reduce your stress. And it's going to be doing something that's probably extremely uncomfortable and maybe sounds a little crazy, like quitting your job and finding a different job, for example. But this is your health. And our nervous system can only take so much. And people will still repeatedly expose themselves to high stress things and arguments and divisiveness and yelling at people on the internet and watching the news and getting triggered and waking up looking for ways to be offended and reacting all day long. And then they'll go, why can't I lose body fat? Why can't I stay on track with my nutrition? Why can't I sleep? Why is my relationship in shambles? Why do I not know my children anymore? Think about the main stressor in your life and get real with yourself and see where you can minimize or eliminate that stressor. And I'm being 100% honest. I have reconfigured the structure of my business to accommodate my health, to prioritize my health. 
and not just like, oh, my cholesterol is good and my blood pressure is healthy, my mental health. I'm not willing to trade my health for any amount of money. I want to do work I love. I want to serve others. I want to help people. I want to be fulfilled. I don't expect for life to be easy and sunshine and rainbows every day. But for the most part, I want to be happy. I want to be at peace. I want to feel joy. I want to have wonderful experiences. I want to have thought-provoking conversations. But I'm not willing to push myself into the red every single day for a paycheck. And so if you're at that point, you might reevaluate life, have some hard conversations with yourself and with the significant people in your life who you're going to need for support. I had to do that when I downsized my business six years ago. It was very difficult. It was very emotional. It was scary. But the chronic stress was no longer worth it. If you're willing to keep pushing, all I ask and encourage you to do is notice where it's eroding your mental health, your physical health. And often it's little things that you don't notice at first. You're more irritable and you snap at your spouse or you're too tired to play with your kids. And then, you know, years go by and your relationship isn't very good anymore and you're borderline divorced uh, or on the verge. You know, the kids are kind of doing their own thing. There's animosity. The relationships are all in your life are all compromised and just kind of like everybody's walking on eggshells. Maybe you've gained a little bit of extra body fat that slowed you down, made you feel sluggish, your, your blood pressure is a little bit high, all in the name of the bigger paycheck or whatever the case may be, whatever the, 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 subs, or the, the, the trade-off is. It's worth just paying attention to that and noticing because when you're stressed out, often you're working at a desk or you're not moving quite as much because movement is healthy. Movement is important for vitality and energy and strength and when you're stressed, you're often in survival mode and you're trying to conserve and you're very depleted and exhausted. So you don't really have a lot to give to other things like a calorie deficit, nutritious food, going for a walk outside, playing with your kids, not snapping at your spouse because they didn't take out the garbage. Find better ways to manage stress. If this means working with a therapist, do it. It's worth it. Work on overcoming trauma, past trauma, grief, you can't do it alone, probably, but there's a lot you can do alone. Journal. If you're a religious person, spiritual person, pray, meditate, start to find ways to get control of your mind. Take time for yourself. Put yourself first. That's a hard one for a lot of parents, especially moms. I see that a lot. But try it for like, do like a 30 day put yourself first challenge. It, it will be life changing and everyone in your life will, will be better off. They'll be happier when you put yourself first. That doesn't sound, it sounds counterintuitive, but it's true. I've done it. I've experimented with it. When you're always people pleasing and giving to everyone else, you're pulling from yourself and your own happiness and your own needs and you're miserable and you're not healthy. So look at ways where you can better manage your stress. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate your support over the last year. 2023 has been interesting. I have a podcast episode coming out here in the next week where I'm going to talk about reflecting. So I don't set New Year's resolutions 
If you do, awesome. I love it. I support it. Anytime you're setting goals, it's inspiring to me to hear about them. I love growth and change and challenges and overcoming difficult things. Um, But I want to share with you a little bit of what I do in terms of reflecting, highlighting positive things, noticing things that maybe didn't go as well, and working to modify them and improve them for the following year. So I'll have an episode out on that here in the next week, probably. Uh, If you haven't noticed, I am trying to upload every Tuesday, every week. This was a suggestion made by one of my awesome friends, and um, I really appreciated the feedback. She requested that I have more of a predictable schedule with my uploads, and I'd wanted to do that for a while, but just kind of put it off and was sporadic and all over the place, and that's not helpful for anyone, and this has been really a great way for me to sit down and discipline myself to record and hopefully put out a little bit better content that's predictable and helpful to you. So any feedback is always recommended. You can reach out to me on my um, website, figurellisfitness.com. In the show notes, which is what it's called when you have a description of your podcast, there should be contact information there. And you can reach out to me via email, social media, or my website. But uh, I'm always open to learning if you have topic ideas, if there's something that you disagree with uh, that I've said. Respectful dialogue is always appreciated, but I would love to talk with you, hear from you. So thank you so much for your support. I will talk to you in the next one.